You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from the Glacies Basement Systems downtown studio. We might hear this on uh, Friday morning from Melancholy Malcolm. If the Oilers lose to the Sharks. But the instrumental version. We're taking your Oilers losing songs. 960, 960, name and location. Who's this courtesy of GVP? Uh, Mr. Wedley and Brattlewood. Oh, our man. Always consistent. Yep. Never misses a program. Nope. I think Wiley's got a longer streak on this show than I do. Oh, and I without host a it. doubt. Without a doubt. Speaking of which, this guy's taking some time off coming up. <laughs> Feels like it's bang, been a while bang, for bang. you. It has. I'm on like an Iron Man streak. Okay. Well, I'm I doing don't know. No, I was we sick last to, week. Let's settle down on Iron Man streak. You've been around for like a month. Settle down. No, it has. It's been longer than oh, that. Okay. It's been two months. Okay. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Two months. Whoa. Um, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, I uh, I do it for you, the listeners. Yeah, and listen, you, Matty Rose. We, I don't know if we're grateful enough. Guys Pro- around the room? Probably not. What do we think? Probably not. Yeah, that's been a good run. <laughs> what In the, your face! What the hell does that hey, mean? Patrick and I have a bond. Okay? <laughs> we have a bond. <laughs> um, The franchise, Eric Francis, bottom of the hour. Um, Jeff Merrick on the Oilers mess at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And uh, Adnan Verk on the Blue Jays getting Shohei Otani. What? Okay. Okay. And uh, we're going to test Patrick on U.S. State Capitals because he thinks he can name every single one because he loves U.S. geography. USA. USA. Now, I'm going to give you a heads USA. up instead of, yeah, instead of giving you, uh, I need some quiz music later on, GVP. Copy that. I want real American Rick Derringer. Playing. Okay, wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. I got that scene. You do yeah. have that. <laughs> yes. Who doesn't? It's a great tune. Um, Flames take. I don't think that's in my folder. Okay. Uh, Flames taking on the Nashville Predators tonight. Uh, little short, little homestand here of one game before they go back east. Just more of this. Dirty work. It's gonna hurt. Oh my god. Was that like were they trying to be serious with that? Or? I don't know. It's two and a half minutes long. That would it's like half serious or like that guy's being serious. Alright, I can't listen to that anymore. Alright. Okay. All right. Um Oilers lose uh six two, but uh the flames take on the Predators tonight. Mm. Down at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Of course, no Andrew Majapani. He will serve his one game suspension, which I actually think was kind of a break for him that it was only one game because it seemed like a lot more malicious than a one game suspension. But that's fine. Um, the power play's been been a bit of a blender on who's on the power play based on some injuries and some line combinations. I uh, wanted to ask you, uh, Patrick, then, you know, GVP weigh in on this. Who would you like to see on PP one tonight? Mm. If you're the Calgary Flames, if you're, I'm putting you in the in the in the in the shoes of friend of the show. I call him a friend of mine, Mr. Mark Savard. If you were savvy, who are you putting on power play one, Mr. Matt Rose? Who's on power play one? 
Well, I think you have to go with the regulars that you would see there. Your Rasmus Anderson, your Nazem Kadri. So your... Anderson on the point. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Huberto would be on the left side boards for oh, me. Oh, boy. Okay. Really? Well, I don't know if that's. I guess. He I ex- made that nice pass to I, Lindholm, which he should have finished. I thought he had probably his best game in like three weeks in that last contest. Yeah. He had a really good first period. He wasn't but, as noticeable as the game went on, but he was much better in that game. Saying saying that's like saying that like at least my girlfriend didn't cheat on me for my no, birthday. No, no, that's not nearly the same. Okay, he actually right. looked like there were moments where he made passes that like were that crisp, Lindholm, that, that were pass sharp, to Lindholm was and it, gorgeous. And there were way more than that. Like yeah. I don't think you're giving him enough credit for what he did in that okay. last game All right. against the Kraken. Let's see him two games in a row. Okay, sure. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, let's see it. And do it for like more I'm than saying, one game. Was it a ten and a half million dollar game no, no. Okay. but that being said okay. he was, was a, on step the left. In the right, in a step in the right direction okay. uh Kadri in the bumper okay where he usually hangs out uh Lindholm probably off on the right side and then I'd probably go with like a Zary in the middle maybe Ooh, a Rizichka like someone with a little bit of length but can also you know maneuver around the net a little bit and I don't mind dropping them off if you know you start to get a little bit of movement and one of them has to go off to the wing I'm not worried about either of them operating from there um, so that's probably what I would do. All right. So Anderson, Lindholm, Kadri, Huberto, Zary. Yeah, I'll go Zary. Okay. Patrick, who's on your power play? Okay. Uh, I want to go back uh, a little traditionally. They used to do this, not as much anymore, but we're going to have two defensemen on the point. Oh, I talked about this yesterday because yeah. I was floored that they had two defensemen on for a five on three. Rasmus and Weger at your point. Ooh, okay. Uh, Huberto on the left side on the board position there. I got uh, Lindholm up front and then uh, Zary on the other side. Oh, no Kadri. No Kadri on the first Oh, unit. Okay, so you basically changed uh Weaver Move. for Kadri. Yeah, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. And Zari gets in there too. That's an old yeah. school power play yeah. with the two defensemen. Yeah. Simplified it. Because I think ever is there a team that, that has two defensemen out there on I'll, the I, I don't go, think there is one. I was is actually there? meaning to go yeah, through there a was look the, and the, the, the Penguins use two. They Carlson, Carlson and Latang. There's a couple. Wouldn't of them be surprised out there if, but no, but they don't do that with, regularly. They don't. Uh, they were. I watched the game the against the Sharks because I was dying for a Latang and Malkin assist. Let me see. Their last, the last reported uh, first play power play was, uh, yeah, he was on. It was Gensel, Crosby, Smith, Carlson, Malkin. Yeah, yeah, they don't have them on there usually. I don't think anybody does that. It's anymore. it'd be rare if anybody does it. Like I could check Washington, but I think it's just Carlson on the point. Um, uh, yeah, it's Ovi and Carlson on the point. Uh, GVP, who's on your... So, uh, sorry, just to... Patrick has Anderson and Uyghur on the points. Then he has uh, Lindholm, Huberto, and Zary. That's your power play unit. Yes, that's my power okay. play Okay, yeah. what do you got for yours, GVP? Mine's actually the same as Maddie. Like, I, I got Anderson on my point, Huberto on one of the half walls, Lindholm, Kadri, and Zary. I, I, like, as bad as Huberto has been... Over the course of this season, he's still the most talented player on the roster. I just don't know how you don't put him out there and try and let him work things out. So I still have him out there. I don't. I don't. Know. Do we? Do we confuse talented and skilled? How How are they different? Because mm. you can be very like Jacob how, Markstrom how is can extremely you have, talented. How can you have a bunch of skill and not be talented? Yeah, and how and vice yeah, versa. In the egg thing, and vice versa. Okay, those sound like synonyms to me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, pretty much the exact same. You know what I would change? I'm, I'm kind of with you and Maddie. I don't, I don't, sorry, Patrick. I don't like the two defensive okay. thing. I would try Rizitska in front of the net. Mm-hmm. Use size. It, I'd like, consider Pospisil there too. The mm. only thing here with, um, Rizitska for me is a dude coming back from a shoulder injury. Do I want him banging and crashing in front of the net? Is he going to be able to do that? 
But if he's healthy enough know. to play, he should be healthy enough to be put in those situations. Okay, that's a, a great point, but yeah. also, like, that's not how NHL players work. Mm. So, like, you know, I don't mind it, but that's that's kind of the way I see it. That that would be my only knock. Also, the Nashville Predators used two defensemen on their power play. Oh, look at that. Um, I saw... Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So we might see that tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you... uh, who was it here? Minnesota doesn't use any defensemen. Really? Love that. Yes, all five. Forwards. Winnipeg did that a few years ago, too, with it all five, and they also did that in overtime. They were really the first team to use the three forwards in the three-on-three. Three. Which I like. Yeah. That's fine on three-on-three. Three. Eric Gustafson's the only defenseman on the Rangers' power play, so that's essentially well, five forwards. And you, you, loosely, you use the loose term of defenseman. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Loosely. That guy is the power play specialist. That guy, like... Eric Carlson makes uh, Eric Gustafson look like uh, Nick Lidstrom defensively. Uh, Eric Gustafson is what you get when you order Eric Carlson on Wish. <laughs> or Timu. Wow. Even worse, Timu. That's pretty good. Mm. That's very good. Thank you. Um, are you surprised you buy that... your driver uh, from there, it breaks three swings in. You're like, mm, this wasn't even worth $100. No. <laughs> I, have, um, I have been had. Have you... Um, are you surprised? Because you were on the mark... Because GVP and I talked about this yesterday. Mm. GVP and I were ready to give Ladar another start tonight, but Markstrom in the starter's net, you're not surprised it's him. I think you got back-to-backs coming up this weekend, don't no, you? No, yeah, you got back-to-backs yeah. Friday and Saturday. Yeah, there you so, go. And, yeah. and like I've talked about, this is a, a point in the season where your games are very spread out. You know, for the first little bit there, they were playing every other night, and then it was... You know, a, a game Wednesday, and then they played on Saturday, and now they don't play till Tuesday, and then they don't play till Friday again. Like, that's a lot of time off in between games. And if I'm Jacob Markstrom, I'm saying, listen, like, as as much as, sure, you want to share the net, I, I got to get in a game here. I got to I gotta keep going. I'm off to a great start, and I got to yeah. keep this rolling. So that's why I've always felt that um, it's going to be very difficult, I think, for Dan Vladar to get back-to-back starts unless you're looking at a situation where Jacob Markstrom is not healthy enough to go in back-to-back games. That's just the way that I see it. Um, this doesn't feel like a tandem to me. It feels like Jacob Markstrom's team and Dan Vladar is the backup. But that being said, even nowadays, a straight backup is very different compared to what it used to be. That's still probably a 55-27 split more so than the good old days of 65 and a dozen for your backup. Um, I, I think that the start's imperative for the Flames tonight. You haven't played since Saturday. You have this mini one-game homestand uh, at home before you head out back east. Tonight's a big game for the Flames if they actually want to get back into this thing because uh, that road trip out east ain't easy. The Habs aren't a pushover either way. Like, no, they've been playing and, and you're okay probably going to get Sean Monaghan, like, three goal games. Yeah. Something uh, you're, like that. you're playing the Leafs, who are always dangerous. The Sabres are Especially a dangerous at home team. home in front of their fans. Yeah. Um, well, in front of the sushi-eating uh, quiet fans at the at the uh, Bronze Sandwich Brigade. Yeah, the, it is. That's literally what it is. And they can't even get to back to their seats on time after the intermission. But uh, this is a big game for the Flames tonight. You haven't played in two games. Uh, you had a great game against the uh, Kraken. You played a very solid game against the Stars and probably deserved a better fate. You need to keep the momentum rolling here for the Calgary Flames. And you, it's definitely a winnable game tonight against the Nashville Predators. Do we oh. know who's in goal for the Preds? Is it Soros? Uh, Should be. 
would imagine they're so. Not, they, they didn't play they yesterday. They haven't played in a while, so. too. No, they haven't played since Saturday. Since, yeah, since they waxed the Oilers on Saturday. And then they're in Winnipeg in a couple days. So, yeah, they, they could probably go Soros tonight. Yeah, so you love a good Soros start. That dude uh, typically has pretty good numbers against the Flames, if I'm not mistaken. But that's... And you see Soros, when people talk about you know size and goaltenders, the guy's in that big. He's like six foot. What, six one, six foot? He's six. He's, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's six. Yeah. Like, he's, he's the ghost of Christmas future if you're Dustin Wolf. Like that's the guy you want to model your game after he, because like that that's the ceiling for Dustin Wolf, not the largest human being in the world. He's not a Jacob Markstrom, you know, type of, of just six, body. He's about six foot. Yep. Yeah. So like if I'm Dustin Wolf, I look at UC Soros and if you're a Flames fan watching that guy play tonight, you just hope Dustin Wolf can turn into that guy. Yeah, and if you're a Flames fan, you've seen the UC Soros show many a time. He's eight one and one with a two four two and nine twenty nine save percentage. Is that good against the Flames in his career in nine games? Jesus. He is eight one and one. Nine starts, eight one and one. That is wow, a preposterous really? run. It is. Yeah, he dominates like, against the Calgary Flames. <laughs> like, why? It's- I don't know. It was yeah. one of those things where as soon as we started talking about him, like, he like were the Flames pretty, supposed to draft those, him and he's bitter about it? Those, like, what happened? Like, why? Numbers are way better than even I expected. But like, like, why? Here's the thing, like going back to even when Pecorino was there, yep. you know, it would be Flames and Predators and Flames would outshoot the opposition. Yeah, but the, the Predators opposition. back with Pecorino, they played that suffocating defensive first style, right? Yeah, 100%, but at yeah. the same time, it was always Pecorino making ridiculous stops. Like the Predators, if there's one thing that's been consistent with this franchise for like the last two decades is that they've had pretty solid goaltending. You even go back to Vokun before that, mm-hmm. we actually talked about yesterday on the yeah. show. How about that? Double Vokun mentioned. Thomas Vokun. Uh, Pretty good run of goaltenders here for the Nashville Predators. So um, that's going to be the biggest thing for me. Are you going to be able to turn some of these offensive bursts that you showed against the Kraken? Can you replicate that against a Nashville team? And on top of that, beat a goaltender who, in his career, has typically had your number. Yeah. Um, Eric Francis, the franchise, is going to join us uh, soon at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Tee up the Flames and Predators tonight. We'll talk to Jeff Merrick at the top of the hour, uh, get his take on uh, the mess that's going on up north. And how hot is that seat for Jay Woodcroft right now? It must be smoking hot. And, Maddie, you you talked about it during the break here, peek behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us would be surprised if the news came down today. Because Jay Woodcroft is definitely coaching for his job in San Jose on Thursday night. You lose to the Sharks, There's I don't even think he gets on the plane. I think they do the (laughs) Gerard Gallant treatment where you got to find your way home. Can I play for you the one clip from yesterday's press conference that maybe stood out to me the most as far as what this conversation is about? All right. All right. This is the last one. Mark Spector was asking about accountability because Evan Bouchard makes a poorly chosen pinch on the fourth goal by Hoaglander, which ends up being kind of the backbreaker for them and doesn't get back to get his man on the ensuing rush. And that's how the goal gets scored. Uh, So, yeah, here's here's the question and subsequent answer. Accountability in in household. You mean in he piping them? He a really yeah, important goal yeah. and didn't miss a shift. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Well, you know, where we're at, I would say, um, you know, we had 60 men. And, um, you know, can he be better on that play? Yeah, he can. I'm not going to I'm not gonna dress that one up uh, in any way. In fact, if you, you know, one thing, you look at how Dreisaitl backchecked, uh, put his head down, he's on the faceoff dot, and he came uh, back with reckless abandon. Um, you know, that's the type of effort that we're looking for in that type of situation. Can ever, Evan be better in that? Yeah, he can. But when you're down, when you're down, 
and your uh, top point producing D-man is part of helping you get back into a situation. Are there times for accountability? Sure, there are. Is there times for um, you know trying to find a way to come back in that game? Yeah, there are too. And so you learn from your mistakes, and uh, in the end, we can be better on that one. To me, it's 54-ish seconds of a bit of a word salad because he is kind of caught in a little bit of a hole here. Mm -hmm. He is a guy who preaches accountability. We go back to talking about how, you know, I remember when he showed up and he talked about you have to get the bottom six guys engaged and part of this group and make sure that they're also part of everything moving it forward. And you have star players making mistakes and not being sat down, (laughs) irrelevant of the result. I just think that this is a guy who, at this point, is really struggling to find an answer to a a riddle that is long gone away from him. And again, it's the old adage, you can't fire the players, you fire the coach. But again, a lot of this roster is flawed. They can't get a save, the bottom six is non-existent, the blue line's weak. Like, it's just, the roster's been flawed for years, mm-hmm. and it's been the issue. Because I look and I look at the Leafs out east, I look at the Oilers out west, they have incredible top-end talent, but the bottom six in their blue line has continually been their Achilles heel. And until they can address those problems, which is a lot easier said than done, you're never really a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. I know they got all the way to the Western Conference Final, but they got smoked by the Avalanche in that close. series. It wasn't close. You can get to a Conference Final, and then like, ooh, you know, oh, kicking your coverage. It was That's about as close did. as a Flames and Oilers but, but, series But look was. what the Golden Knights did to them last year. Yeah. They got crushed in that series against Vegas because mm-hmm. they didn't have the depth and they didn't have the blue line. Yep. So what's changed? You can fire, you know, old Woody there, and then what? Who's coming in? That's what I mean. They've done this over and over. And honestly, I, I kind of feel bad for coaches who get behind that bench. Because you watch yeah. McDavid every single day, and what else are you going to do apart from put him out every single shift? Yeah, every because other he is shift. so much better than every other option you, you have, have on your bench. And that goes to what you said about the construction of the team. But if I'm the coach and I'm looking at, I'm either putting out McDavid or Derek Ryan and all things being equal at that yeah. point in the game, I'm going 97 every single freaking time. But I mean, like, yeah, you, you, can, you can say it's his fault, but again, the roster is flawed. We'll talk to Jeff Merrick about that. I'm doing an audible, Patrick. I want to do okay. a U.S. Capital um, quiz with you. Sure. But I'm going to do it when Adnan Verk is on at 8.30, so oh. you can square off against Adnan, who lives in the old U.S. of A. Okay, that works. All right, we'll All do right. it then. Eric Francis next. Expat Adnan Verk. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, what? Uh, Eric Francis next. Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios, The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Um, we're taking your Oilers losing songs all morning. Who's this courtesy of GVP? Uh, oh, geez, I just lost the text. Uh, <laughs> Don. All right, thanks, Don. Don't cry by Guns N' Roses. Boo-hoo, Oilers fans. Lost again last night to the Canucks for the third time already this season. Hey, the Flames beat them 10 nothing. Preseason. <laughs> that was preseason. Uh, Jeff Merrick from the uh, Jeff Merrick Show. Clever title. 10 o'clock. And uh, Adnan Verk at 8.30. And uh, where Adnan has no idea he's going to square off against producer Patrick in a U.S. Capitol quiz. He has no idea what's coming. <laughs> Wake up, Zero. Adnan. Yeah. Get on your ge- geography horse, which to <laughs> means I don't know what the hell that means. Um, fresh off a very successful uh, 21st edition of the Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out, 
uh, covers the Flames for Sportsnet on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Broadcast Hotline. We say good morning to the franchise, Mr. Eric Francis. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good, but I don't know about Joey Chestnut. I still haven't heard from him. He, when when, when a, you and I last left him at the bar at about one thirty in the morning, yep, dude had a dude had a seven a.m. flight, and yep. I, I kept checking in on him, and I still heard nothing. So <laughs> he, he's either getting that detox out in uh, where was he going? Thailand. <laughs> Thailand. He's going to Thailand for a detox, or he's still at the Hotel Arts. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, that was a, a lot of fun, and for the second consecutive year, Crazy you and I leave. <laughs> you and I leave uh, the uh, the pizza pig out uh, at the end. Um, what was that GVP? What was he again? I know. Let's stop it. I know that we uh, that we do uh, what's irking Eric, uh, but you want to do what you're thankful for this morning. Let's do that off the top here, Eric, because a lot of good vibes with the pizza pig out this year. Yeah, yeah, appreciative, Eric. Let's let's throw a different side okay. to it. You know, I, there's there's a couple things that. Just again, when I moved here 30 years ago, I just fell in love with the sense of community, and there's no no better way to feel that sense of community for me anyway than the big out. And we had like 750 people in there. Uh, we raised a ton of money. I guess we'll find out later today how much we raised. But just wanted to thank everybody, and especially the pizzerias, the mom and pa operations that come are the lifeblood of the whole thing. And uh, and it was just a smash success, and nothing makes me feel prouder to be a Calgarian than, than that silly little pizza party we have. And uh, it was just so well-received and, and well-attended and well-supported, and so thank you to everybody. And, and, and in that same vein, I just want to thank the people of the in the Brentwood area, the Triwood-Brentwood area. You know, I, I, nobody likes a knock on their door. Am I wrong? Does anybody here like a knock on their door mm. that, that they're not expecting? But, like, my little guy and his Northwest Warriors team, they went out and did a bottle drive the other day, and it always blows my mind how generous people are and how open they are to, A, answering their door. I don't do that. And, B, uh, you know, answering their door and then just pouring out all their bottles. And if they didn't have bottles, a lot of people are just giving them cash because they're wearing their jerseys. And they just want to support some kids in their community who are not hanging around balls. They're out there playing sports and doing things. So, Good on all the people at Triwood. We absolutely bled them dry of every bottle left. And, uh, and boy, do those people drink a lot in that area, too, yeah, I should wow. say. Oh, good. Uh, but, but, but anyway, good, <laughs> good on you. Thanks so much for all the support. We have a great community here, and I'm so proud to be part of it. Uh, real quick, when uh, Joey Chestnut ate 23 slices of pizza in two minutes, and then he subsequently had, I don't know how many Budweiser's, were you just looking at him in amazement like I was franchise? Everything this guy does, I mean, it's pretty clear. Everything he does is in excess. Everything. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yes, I, whether we were gambling, whether we were drinking, whether we were eating pizza or Timbits, this guy doesn't know when to say no. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's amazing. And uh, hey, that balls-to-the-wall mentality, I really appreciate it. I think it was fantastic to watch it person. And, hey, the other thing about Joey Chestnut, like, say what you want about the GOAT, you know, as the greatest eater of all time. Yeah. Like, what a personality, too, right? I mean, everybody in that room, Stampeders, didn't matter who they were, cavalry players, they're all coming up to him, and they all wanted to meet him, and he was as gracious as hell. Yep. Signed anything they wanted, take a photo. And he just, I just thought, man, full marks for him for, you know, he could have just mailed that whole thing in, but he didn't, yep. man. He was, he was a beast. Uh, I had a conversation with somebody. They're like, wait, Joey Chestnut ate pizza before the contest? I go, you think Tiger Woods doesn't hit the driving range before he goes on the first tee? <laughs> right? Remember we were, 
we were worried about throwing that Tim Pit challenge at him. Like, oh, that's a game day, man. You can't, you can't mess yeah. with a guy on a game day. Well, then I went for lunch with him, right? I went for lunch with him, and he got a Philly cheesesteak. And, <laughs> and about halfway through our meal, the server came by with two more Philly cheesesteaks. And I, it was a total error. But I thought, oh, my God, you picked the wrong table to erroneously bring two Philly <laughs> cheesesteaks. Yeah. Because he looked at that guy like, oh, it's on. Yeah, 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 I'll take them. And the guy's like, oh, no, no, sorry, they're not for you. And I'm like, hey, calm down, Joey, just calm yeah. down. Yeah, got that look in his down. eye. Yeah, he's like, I think it's on. Uh, oh it God. was uh, it was an unreal event. And, again, thanks for bringing uh, Joey Chestnut by. Uh, I think one of the highlights of our show so far in a year plus <laughs> that we've been doing our fun. stupid little show here on Sportsnet 960. <laughs> um, Flames and Predators tonight uh, down at the Dome. Uh, I was talking this before he jumped on. Again, every every game is important right now for the Flames just based on their start, but they're going out east after tonight. You have a good game against Dallas. You don't win. You finally break through and beat the Kraken. I think tonight's kind of kind of really important for the Flames. If they're, if they're serious about getting back into the playoff race, tonight feels like a big game tonight, Eric. Does it, does it not? Yeah, I would say the next 10 days are like as important as we've seen in this organization in a, in a long time because I think they dictate the future path of this organization you know if, if they can get back into this thing then everybody stands down and, and we, we proceed as if this horrible start never started never happened but if if they continue to be you know 500 or worse then uh, the wheels get set in motion for obviously a, a fire sale of sorts and then we start looking at all sorts all bets are off you know i mean everybody's in play potentially and uh and, and we'll see more of those youngsters and you're going to see some of the veterans get moved out. So I, I really think this is as crucial a 10 days as 10 games as you're going to see. And so to your point, this is a this is like a must-win game. If you, if you think you could do well in the next 10 games, these are the games that you have to win. This is basically a 500 club, this Nashville team. They're not bad. They're a pretty good club, but they're, right. you know, they're the kind of team. You're at home. Uh, you've got a tiny bit of momentum. There's relief in that room. Uh, these are the games you almost have to win. If you lose a game like tonight, then maybe you don't even have to wait the whole 10 games. Maybe then management's seen all they need to see. And 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 quite likely management has seen all they need to see anyway. The wheels are going to get set in motion on a, on a retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, but, you know, there is still a chance to salvage this season mathematically if you have a real good run here over the next little bit. Where do you think the point was in the season where the organization started to come around to this idea of either a retool or a rebuild. Was it around the Heritage Classic? Yeah, because what was that last five in a row? Mm-hmm. And I think at that point, you're like, oh, my God, this is this is a catastrophe, and uh, and this season might not be salvaged. So, and, I, and I think that there are a lot of people in management. I, you know, I've spoken to some people in that front office who, like, I think that they've known for a while that this team's just not good enough. Um, but, but because two years ago they had a great season, it masked a lot of things. Uh, but now we see that it was because of the two superstars that they've lost that that season was all made possible. Hey, Markstrom had a great season. A lot of guys had a great season that year, but it was, it, you know, without those two superstars, this team is, is, is not that good. So I think that's the realization they've come to. And I think at the Heritage Classic, things probably hit rock bottom that day. Uh, you know, I, I, I know they went on to win a, lose another game, but they played quite well against Dallas. And we know Dallas is as good a team as there is in the league, but against the struggling Oilers in a battle of Alberta, like if you couldn't get up for that one and win that one, then yeah, yeah. I, boy, that was a low point. 
They didn't call up anybody else to get their first NHL goal tonight, but uh, a thought on the youth that we've seen with Zary and Pospisil, and he, even DeSimone, who's not a youthful guy per se, but he got his first NHL point last game. What have you made of some of these younger players coming in, giving a little bit more energy to the lineup, and, and really doing exactly what Craig Conroy said he was going to do all offseason? Yeah, yeah, good on him for making making good on his word, and, and, and they don't have a choice, let's be honest, but I mean, yeah. And I just want to go back, you know, about the possibility of calling up Adam Klapka today. You know, I was sure. kind, of, kind of having some fun with uh, Connie on, on, on Twitter last night saying, come on, let's do this. Pick up Klapka. Mm-hmm. Because no team has ever had three guys score in consecutive games on their in their NHL debut. And Klapka would have been that, you know, would have given that a chance. I, I got the list from the NHL eight times. And that's amazing to me. Eight times that's happened where in consecutive games, a player's team has scored in his NHL debut. Uh, and it happened to the Flames, actually, way back when. Brett Hall, um, Brett Hall was one of the two guys. Um, I'm drawing a blank on who the first one was. But anyway, uh, the, the call-ups are great. Zari looked good for a second game in a row. Yeah. You know, Pospisil, listen, everyone's all high, and everyone's like, oh, my God, these guys are great. Let's slow down, right? I mean, these are not everyday NHLers yet. Um, it's it's beautiful. Those are wonderful stories when a guy scores in his first NHL game. But, you know, kind of like with Matthew Phillips, you know, he had that brilliant night against the Calgary Flames, and now he's back to playing anywhere between five and, you know, nine minutes a night in Washington. You know, it, it, things settle down. The adrenaline, you know, there's not as much adrenaline. Uh, uh, no one's expecting possible to come in and be a 20-goal scorer, or Zari for that matter. You know, but it's such great, great vibes that they, they've come in they feel good. The organization feels good. Now things will settle down and we'll get to see a little bit more about what they are. And we're going to have to start seeing a lot of these guys get sent back down soon, right? Like boss will still be going down soon. Conroy, I bugged him yesterday. Like I said, to bring up Klapka, he says, I got no money. I, I couldn't bring him up if I wanted to. Hmm. They're, hmm. they're in so tight against the cap that they, they, that they can't be bringing up guys unless they've got more injuries. So, um, you know, it looks like Rizicka's back tonight. And then I think you'll start seeing guys like Pospisil and Zari go back down. But I know people don't want that. They want to see those guys stay up here. So I think the organization is going to do whatever they can to keep those guys here for as long as they can and get a good look at them. And don't forget, at some point real soon, like in the next two or three games, you're going to see Matt Coronado back. So, so you're, you're running out of space for these youngsters. Eric Francis, the franchise, uh, joining us here, covers the Flames for Sports Down in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose. 960, uh, the fan. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, Vladar with a solid start uh, Saturday night um, in Seattle to pick up the victory there. Um, I thought maybe you'd go back with him tonight after the win, but Maddie was all about you got to play Markstrom tonight. W- would you have maybe went Vladar tonight after that performance Saturday? That's uh, not the craziest idea. Um, I thought where you were going to go is where, they, where the goaltending talk always goes is when are we going to see Dustin Wolf? And, uh, you know, I got, I got to tell people again, without, without the, the luxury of having any cap room, like you're not going to see Dustin Wolf anytime soon. And I know people are clamoring for it. He's the one guy that they haven't called up that everyone's dying to see. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just, it's not going to happen unless they make a significant decision or move with either, you know, Vladar or maybe big, big, big picture. You, you get rid of Markstrom, but I don't, I don't see that happening. So I'm okay. I, I'm one of these guys who does there's no rush to get Dustin Wolf into the NHL lineup in the next little while. By the end of the season, you're going to see Dustin Wolf in this lineup, no question. But I, I don't I don't know. Are you guys of 
of the belief that they should try and shoehorn him in right now? Because I'm not. I just no, no, no. He's fine down there right now. No, I like him where he is, especially given what you have, especially because he's getting a lot of runway and he's still getting a lot of work down there, and he's working hard. Like, listen, he I, I, saw, I was at the game on Friday. He played very well. He got the shutout, and then he it's three goals on 17 shots on Sunday, and Listen, there's there's always work to do, and there's always things to improve on, and the AHL is a very good league. I have no problem with him continuing to work down there, um, but eventually, you're going to have to hit a crossroads here. Eventually, someone might get banked up, and then all of a sudden, you have to force your hand, but, but right now, that's exactly how I see it. You know, it's funny. At a recent Flames game, we're sitting there on the concourse doing the broadcast, and uh, there's Dustin Wolf waiting, waiting, you know, the usher... While the play is going on, you got to wait <laughs> before you go sit in your seat. There's Dustin Wolf waiting, waiting patiently so he can go sit in his seat. Mm. Not a single person around him. There were probably 30 people waiting. It was a prolonged play. And not a single person around him would have known who he was. And it's funny how the whole city's mm. talking about him, but nobody looks, knows what he looks like. <laughs> nobody would recognize him in a crowd. Right. And, uh, and, and his day will come. There's no question about it. I think a lot of people feel like his day will come. But right now, he's a 155-pound kid with a ball cap tucked right down over his eyes, and he's just sitting in his seat minding his own business. And uh, the storm will come, but right now he's just uh, living the anonymous life, working like hell, and everybody's pulling for him. It's pretty awesome. Well, I talked about it. UC Soros is the guy, you know, similar build, is is the ghost of Christmas future. If you're Dustin Wolf in the Flames, that's the guy you want to be, no? Yeah, oh, that's the guy you want to be. I mean, Soros has a whole lot more in terms of pounds uh, underneath that equipment. But but same height, right? Six foot tall, and so yeah, there, there's your there's your role model, there's your beacon of hope, and uh, but but I think we're beyond that, are we not? I mean, I don't know. I still wonder if a guy who who's as small as as Wolf can, you know, long term play in the NHL. I think people will always wonder that, but I, nobody talks about that anymore because the numbers he's putting up are just so absolutely ridiculous, and he deserves for us to not talk about his size anymore because he's so damn good. Yeah, but I think look look how like things have changed, Eric, from back in the day, like where Darren Pang can fit under the pose under the crossbar. He was so small, and he was an NHL goaltender. Mike Vernon's going to the Hall of Fame. Not a big dude. It's not like Dustin Wolf is like five five. You know, he's still six feet, and I know he's not six six like Markstrom. He's not a gigantic human being in net like that. So that's what it is in the NHL now, where dudes are just big and they're in net. But six foot, it's not that small to be an NHL goaltender. It's hilarious how that's completely changed now in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's everybody wants that prototypical monster in net, so that if he doesn't have the reflexes to make the save, hopefully he's got the big body that gets in the way. Uh, but, you know, I, and I don't see that changing. I, I don't think that you're going to see this new era where young, small guys are now starting to usher in. Like, I doubt we'll ever see that in the National Hockey I mean, maybe with the odd exception, sure, but uh, the norm will continue to be the big, big boy who's in that net for sure. Like, I think of a Devin Levi who's about six foot, Igor Shosturkin, six one. We He's talk pretty about good. Saros. There's. There's some good netminders. Uh, it just helps when you're bigger, I find. Carter Hart's not the biggest guy either, but alas, that's where we find ourselves today. Hey, did you know UC Saros has ridiculous numbers against the Flames as we're talking about it? 8-1-1 one, one against the Flames in his career. Does that does that stand out to you? Does it feel like he's been dominant against the Flames? No, it doesn't because I know the Flames have a really good record when we go into Nashville mm-hmm. for whatever reason, which defies all logic, obviously, <laughs> uh, for a lot of reasons. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> But uh, like yeah, what type of I, reasons? Well, usually when I wake up for around the second period when I'm covering a game in Nashville, <laughs> you 
usually the flames are already up. It's weird. I can't really put my finger on it, but uh, they do fare well in Nashville for whatever reason. <laughs> Man, if you haven't been to a game in Nashville, I've been there. The atmosphere is great in Nashville to see a the game. Best. It is. It's awesome. The, the music is incredible too. Like even the live music during the intermissions is really, really good. And all the little chants they do, it's just a fun atmosphere. And that barn couldn't be in a better spot than it is in downtown Nashville. It built Nashville. It yeah. built the number one tourist destination in America right now, all because of that rink. And I don't know how many people know that story, but that is exactly how uh, Broadway began in, in Nashville. I mean, it was there for a lot of years, but it was a real derelict part of town dangerous part of town you wouldn't go there if you were just a tourist no chance mm-hmm. and they build that rink there and it gentrifies the the area and it's just a, a great great story all because of the nhl and that that incredible rink and that rink in vegas are to me i i flip-flop on that but what's the best nhl experience is it is it you know i could go either way uh and in both cases they may be the only two rinks in the league where the game is just a starting point for your evening yeah, you know any other rink in the league? That's the that's that's the you build up to the game. Uh, in those two cities, yeah. you go to the game, get a little lubricated, and then you're off into the night. And there's lots more to do. Yeah, that, that's the thing too. Like uh, the the snobbish Canadian way of watching hockey, it's like yes, it's all about the game. But in those cities, and you're right, it's about the atmosphere first. Uh, the game is secondary, and I think that's what makes it so awesome in those markets. Uh, real quick, um, are, do you have a little bit of a smirk on your face watching this start by the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah, I heard you guys making fun of them. Be careful there, because uh, this is not. <laughs> oh gonna no, last we know long. it's going to come back to bite okay. us. Like we know. I know. That's why. Yeah, that's why you're having a little fun because we got this tiny little window. Yeah, <laughs> and it may be. It, it may be. It may be a lot of years, boys, before a Calgary Flames fan can really, really, you know, mock an Oilers fan for what they're going through as compared to what Calgarians are going through. But but you know what? While you got the window, go ahead and milk it. Um, I don't think there's anybody in the National Hockey who thinks this is going to last much longer. Uh, but it sure is kind of fun to watch, I'll admit it. But but I, I was talking with Maddie. Like, I get it, and, and Woodcroft, that the seat's ridiculously hot. But I've said this, and I don't think there's any question. The roster's flawed. The bottom six is is not helping at all. The defense isn't good enough. And, Eric, they can't get a save in net. I totally agree. I don't think the coach should go. I think he's I think he's one of the better coaches in the National Hockey League. Uh, you don't have to like him to understand that he's just a damn good coach, and he's done wonders with that organization since he jumped on board. Uh, the coach is not the issue for me. I get why everyone puts him on the hot seat, no question. And I'm not saying he won't get fired. I'm just saying I wouldn't be the guy to fire him. Uh, I, I, I think you, you look at, yeah, that blue line is, there's not a person in the league. When you talk to scouts and stuff about the, the Edmonton Oilers, the, the, the one of the scouts I talked to actually at the, at the Heritage Classic, they said, without Ekholm, this team is just a beer league team like on the blue, on the blue line. And then he was just trying to make a point, whoa. but I'm like, I'm like, whoa, like, a and they have a guy they're paying nine and a half million. Yeah. It, it's harsh. And, and, and I, I think there's, there's could be on my team. I could tell you that, but uh, uh, he just thinks as a collective, those six guys or seven guys, however deep you go, uh, after Ekholm, he's like, I don't, I'm not real thrilled about having any of those guys in my roster. So I, it's a, uh, it's an adventure. It's a fun one to watch, isn't it? It's entertaining. If this is all about entertainment, boys, the Oilers are entertainment. Give them that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Eric Francis, the franchise covers the Flames uh, for Sportsnet. Uh, I think we'll see it tonight at the game. 
Oh, good, good. We'll uh, we'll see you at the buffet. I know you guys will be there. You're always there early. Yeah, we are there. Uh, we like to get our media meal in. If I go early, I get to go twice. That's right. It's only three. They put a three plate maximum though. I eh? just so you know. <laughs> I might, I'm, I might not come anymore. They put uh, that in there for you two guys. I might not come I like anymore. That. Uh, I'm, I'm sir, a, I've uh, changed my mind. Excuse me, Mr. Rose. You've and, already had three plates. Yeah. <laughs> and as he's leaving, there's a sign. Excuse me, Mr. Rose. Can I just check your backpack? <laughs> no, no, you can't. No, no. It's just Is filled with Tupperware and, and Tupperware and plastic bags. Just hey, leave me alone. Butter tarts wrapped in napkins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, franchise. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for this. Butter tarts. Cheers, boys. We'll talk soon. Um, Eric Francis on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Straight ahead, how hot is that seat right now for Jay Woodcroft? We'll ask Jeff Merrick that question next. The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.